This is C-SPAN's Afterwards podcast. This week, Vince Ellison discusses his book, 25 Lies, exposing Democrats' most dangerous, seductive, damnable, destructive lies and how to refute them. He argues that Democratic Party leaders and their progressive policies are purposely misleading the American public and destroying the country. This is about a party that has systematically tried to destroy this nation three straight times in a row, from from slavery to Confederacy to Jim Crow. And now they're doing it again with socialism and they're doing it again with atheism. And it's very subtle. It's very seductive. You know, if you depend on me, I'll give you everything you need. They're taking God's place. Not prosecuting crime. Oh, no, not not prosecuting crime. You know, uh, oh, no bail. uh, Defunding the police. And don't believe that they're not going to defund the police if they ever get in power. Okay. Because this is how they 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 have to make you insecure. But then they want anarchy. Uh, yes, that and if they get anarchy, they have control. See, when people are afraid, when people have no security, when people are trying to survive, that's when they turn to government. He's interviewed by syndicated columnist and television host Armstrong Williams. Do Democrats intentionally lie, deceive, and mislead people? especially when it comes to black conservatives and the Republican Party? Well, Vince Vince Everett Ellison has answered these questions in his new book, 25 Lies, Exposing Democrats' Most Dangerous, Seductive, Damnable, Destructive Lies, and How to Refute Them. And he joins us in Afterwards. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Armstrong. Glad to be here. What do you say to everyday, particularly black Americans who may be skeptical about you and your book and just the explosive cover. I give them my backstory. I was born on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee. My father was a sharecropper, plowing a mule, picking cotton. And he aspired. He bought us out of the plantation of Haywood County, Tennessee through the insurance industry. And he was so thankful that God had given us a middle-class life that we started a gospel singing group called the Ellison Family. We went around the whole South singing gospel music all around the South. This is how I got such an intimate knowledge of the black church. After that, I went to College University of Memphis, and after that, I started working in a prison in South Carolina. Five years, I worked at Kirkland Correctional Institution, and I saw the belly of the beast, and I saw evil. I understood it. I was supposed to supervise 127 hardcore felons every day. They were alphas. And I was there most of the time by myself. So in order to survive, I had to understand when somebody wanted to kill me, somebody wanted to beat me up, somebody was lying to me, I had to understand evil. And I saw it in there. But I saw a lot of young black men, because that was during the 90s, during the Clinton, Clinton crime bill, Clinton-Biden crime bill. And I started asking the black intelligentsia, man, why are these young black men get locked up like this? You know, they started out with three prisons in 1990. They had 40 by the end of the, 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 the decade. Well, they told me it was a bunch of rich, white Republicans just hated black people. So I left my post, started working in the ghettos, and I found out something pretty interesting. I saw no rich white Republicans down there in the ghettos. You could see a leprechaun before you saw one. Guess what I saw? A bunch of black Democrats. And the three entities that I saw making money off the chaos were most black preachers, most black politicians, most black civic organizers. I call them the Iron Triangle. That was my first book. This is a sequel to this. And as I studied and saw these cats were connected to the Democrat Party and found out that their number one goal was to make sure they got 90% of the black vote for the Democrat Party, period, full stop, by hook or by crook. 
And that's what they've been doing for the last, I mean, they're just, to, for to me, they're descendants of the old slave, uh, you know, slave master crew, you know? You know, it's fascinating because in one of your chapters, you talk about God won't hold you responsible. Mm. It's just a play on words. But what you're saying, when you look at, and you talk about this in your book, the dismal results about education, right. the high crime, right. the homicide, right. and how it's just so heavily concentrated in these communities, you actually believe mm. there's a connection between the leadership who have relinquished their moral and obligation and their leadership obligation to make sure that the new plantation, you keep them as slaves, mm-hmm. you keep them dependent, right. you make them believe that, that there's always racism, right. and so there's no need of trying because you're going to be pushed back or discriminated against, especially when you have all these other race cases that right. you see, mm-hmm. which, which reinforces it in their mind. They use this mm-hmm. as leverage to further to say, the white man will never allow you to progress, and therefore let us feed you because you cannot feed yourself. Yeah, I call it neo-plantationism. Mm-hmm. It's just an uh, uh, old play on the old show. You know, they have them now instead of picking cotton, they got them picking votes. And they have these people demoralized. And when a person is demoralized, they can't hear the truth. The Soviet Union did that to their people. Just beat them down and beat them down. And, you know, the schools are terrible. They destroyed every institution from the father to, the, to, to, to the, the education system, to the economic system, you name it, they've done it. But they've always done it. The Democrat Party from 1800 up to now has been a perpetually probably the evilest institution on the face of this earth. Now let's look at the history. From 1800 to 1860, slavery. From 1860 to 1865, the Confederacy killed millions, almost a million Americans to keep their slaves. Then they destroyed Reconstruction. Just killed people, maimed people, hung people. After Reconstruction, what? A hundred years of Jim Crow. Systematically stole elections, intimidated, bribed, murdered, anything to keep power. And do you think after the 1965 Civil Rights Act, they just changed their ways? No. Now they've expanded it. Abortion, atheism, socialism. And if you want to know the Democrat Party, go to the ghettos. Go to the inner city. It'll show you everything you need to know about So it. you're accusing the Democratic Party of genocide without firing a bullet. Mm, definitely. And they know it. They have the stats in front of them, just like you and I have them. They see what they're doing. School choice would be too easy, wouldn't it, to educate these young people that are in these schools in Baltimore, Detroit, and Memphis that aren't learning anything, and they know it. They know the educational choice. It's something that works because it's worked in uh, Washington, D.C. It's worked in New Orleans. They know it works. That's why they won't do it. They know they can do it for half the cost of public education, but they won't do it because the one thing that scares them more than anything, like Frederick Douglass said, is an educated black man. They cannot control him. Keep them ignorant. Keep them frightened. Keep them under control. And so what's the answer? I say it's an intervention. So how are they, and I know you deal with this in your book, how are they so successful, no matter what era we find ourselves in, just targeting one community, the black community. Mm. Doesn't work for the Jewish Americans. No. Doesn't work for Catholics, the Irish, the right. Italians. Doesn't work for Caucasians. Why does it work so well with the overall, in your opinion, in reading your book, the black community? We've been a science experiment to them for 200 years. Their whole concept of being was to keep us under control. And they learned how to do it through demoralization. Beat them down. And so Stockholm Syndrome sets in. It's not a condemnation. It's an explanation. 
Patty Hearst got Stockholm Syndrome when she was kidnapped and beat down. She started helping the people that kidnapped or robbed banks. So you start identifying with your oppressor. And even during the Civil War, when the Northern armies came down here to free the slaves, 95% of them were still on the plantation. They didn't leave to go after the South. Matter of fact, Abraham Lincoln had to issue the Emancipation Proclamation because the slaves were helping the South win the Civil War. They were digging the, the trenches and putting up the ramparts for them. And even when they did the um, uh, uh, census in 1990, they found that 90% of black people still live down south. Didn't leave. There's a fascinating point that I guess a correlation that he makes in his book is when you have the potential to remove God, Mm. to remove faith, Mm. remove being accountable and responsible to a higher authority, the reason why you stress the atheism Mm -hmm. and the lack of morality in your book is because you you make it clear that blacks were once a very moral, striving oh, yes. community. Yes. They were a blessed community. Yes. Despite human slavery, de jure segregation, mm-hmm. the civil rights movement, that's something they held on to. Mm-hmm. But once they were able to remove that pillar right. and replace God with materialism, mm-hmm. with things and dependency, that's when they began to experience some of the most successful results instead of continuing to demoralize that community. Exactly, Armstrong. Look, we've always been poor. We've always had poor black people. But we weren't criminals. We weren't killing each other. We weren't destroying our families. When the Civil Rights Movement activated and the liberals from the Democratic Party got inside of it, my goodness, they got inside of the black church and they made it just a, a, a conduit to the Democratic Party. Politics became part of the black church and it never should have been. The black preacher's job, any preacher's job, C.S. Lewis said, is to get us prepared to live for eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's his job. We got politicians. We got lawyers. But when you are talking about God and Jesus Christ, see, I tell people, I cannot be oppressed. And I cannot believe in systemic racism because I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm a son of God. I've never met anybody superior to me. Why? Because he teaches us that we're all brothers and sisters, that we all have gifts, and that we're supposed to elevate each other's gifts. And when we elevate each other's gifts, as opposed to dealing with envy, jealousy, you know, income inequality, uh, 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 better house than I got, uh, uh, you go to a better school than I go to. No, think about you. Elevate your gift. Help your neighbor elevate his gift. And then guess what happens? We have a beautiful society. A good, a, a good doctor helps everybody. A great mechanic helps everybody. A great cook, a great teacher helps everybody. Instead, they're trying to get us to dumb America down by saying critical race theory means that you have some type of uh, superiority over me, and therefore I want you to give up your privilege. I was born with privilege. I had two great parents, a great family. I was born an American. That's a privilege. Heck, man, they tried to tell me that being born white is a privilege. I said being born black is a privilege. But they don't want you to believe that. No, they don't want you to believe that, do they? And then I was born with the greatest privilege, being an heir of Jesus Christ that says you're not under anybody. Anything you need, I got you. See, they don't want us to go back to that because once we do that, the fighting stops, the ignorance stops, the jealousy, the hatred, all of this foolishness that makes us kill one another will stop, but they will lose their power. You know, another interesting chapter in your book, uh, pick up on what you're saying now, when you talked about the LGBTQ Mm. And equality, and you show great respect, human beings, no one should be discriminated against, no one should be harmed in any kind of way because of their preferences. But you also pointed out in your book very eloquently 
how this has become a tool to further, further marginal, marginalize yes. the black community. Yes, it is. What they do, they use their pain for their gain, the Democrat Party does, same way they do us, and say, we can help you to achieve whatever it is you want. And I tell them, no, you achieve it by earning the respect of the people around you. It happens. We go back to our Bible. Cain had been rejected. His offering had been rejected by God. Cain was angry, mad at his brother Abel. God comes to Cain and said, Cain, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if not, sin waits at the door to master you, but you must master it. If you do well, will you not be accepted? The CEO of, uh, of Apple, Tim Cook, done well. Accept it. When you do well, they will raise, Jesse Arms goes over B. Tetler, they give him a ticket tape parade in New York City in 19, what, 34, 35. This was before all the marching and all the crazy. Uh, 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 Joe Lewis knocks out Max Melling at Yankee Stadium. And all of the country celebrates him because he did well. I'm telling the LGBTQ community, don't get caught in that vice of trying to use the law of coercion to make America like you. It didn't work for us. Change the hearts of the people. Be respectful. Talk to God. If you're happy with yourself, that is enough. Another fascinating point, I really encourage people to go out and buy your new book, The 25 Lives. Lies. You, you go heavy on how important morality was for the civil rights community mm. when it was desperately yeah. needed. Yeah. King was moral. Yeah. They never compromised the moral leadership. Mm. Where is that moral leadership today in our elected officials, in the pulpit? Wow. Armstrong, it's, it's amazingly sad. Um, you know, I look at it, and it's hurtful because we have to have examples of how best to live. And our children aren't getting it. Matter of fact, some of the worst behavior in the world has been held up as proper. And I'm looking at this, and it worries me so. I have to stay in constant communication with my daughter and with my children. And I'm explaining to them, this is not proper. This is not right. Our ministers should do a better job of connecting our children up with God. What, put him first and all things then will come after? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up. And, and no matter where you are in life, when you're starting out, if you got, if you got a job working at Walmart, making $20,000 a year, you'll be happy and you'll move up further because you're honest, you're good, you're clean, you're kind. Those are the intangibles that'll move you up. And then as you move up at Walmart, if you want to go somewhere else, people say he's a good man. She's a good woman. Yes, they're good at what they do. If you do well, you'll be accepted. And the next thing you know, you'll be like my mother, my father, who came out of poverty because they were good people. They were honest people. They worked hard. People had a good word to say about them. See, it's not waking up one morning and you're rich. You know, it's a grind, isn't it? It's a grind. <laughs> and we have to teach them about the grind. And, 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 and the climb is the thing that makes it so beautiful. Start out, honey. Work hard. Be honest. And our ministers have to get back to teaching our children that part of the thing that they need to teach them because they're not good at the other. I mean, one minister telling me, eh, you just want black people to get their, 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 their gold in heaven. I said, bro, you making them broke on earth and you sending them to hell at the same time. You're screwing up on both ends. At least do the one part right. Teach them how to have the peace of God here on earth. Teach them to love one another. Man, teach them to love themselves. 
Because once you love yourself, it doesn't matter how the white man feels about you or how these other people. That's why I told the LGBTQ community, love yourself. Ain't that the greatest love of all? So in your book, you really chart out with facts how the big switch started Mm. in 1960. Yeah. People believe that the big switch started in 1960. I take them all the way back to the election of 1876 when the whole southern part of the United States of America went blue. It went Democrat. Now, understand, this was only about 10 years after Lincoln was assassinated. So you had a lot of black people voting for the Democratic Party then, and they had a plan for it. It was called the Mississippi Plan and the South Carolina Plan. Intimidation, robbery, murder, stuffing ballots. If, if, if look it up, get the book, but the Mississippi South Carolina plan was part of how the Democratic Party stole elections for 100 years down south, and they're still doing the Mississippi South Carolina plan even today. Now, so people say, well, they started voting for the, the, uh, uh, Republican, the Democrat Party in 1960. I say, no, let's look at something here because, because of civil rights, right? They started voting for the Democrat Party. I said, no. In 1956, 1957, Eisenhower and Nixon, two Republicans, passed the 1957 Civil Rights Act. In 1960, they passed the 1960 Civil Rights Act, basically designed so black people down south could vote. Eisenhower also sent the 101st Airborne down to make sure that the Little Rock Nine got into Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. He also did the first Oval Office address on civil rights in the history of this nation. So if people want to start talking about civil rights and black people paying attention to civil rights, they wouldn't have voted for Candy Johnson. They would have voted for Eisenhower and Nixon. Nixon was running for president. Eisenhower was stepping back. So what happened? Eisenhower and Nixon do all this good civil rights stuff. About four or five million black people are registered to vote down south and protected. I tell this story. My grandfather registered to vote in 1960. They kicked him off the cotton plantation where he was in Haywood County, Tennessee. The FBI came down and told him he didn't have to go anywhere. The Eisenhower and Nixon sent him down to say, we passed this new law to say they cannot intimidate or hurt you anymore. You're going to vote. My grandfather voted. And here's the thing, Armstrong. He voted straight Democrat. Now, I asked my father why. He said, yes, black folks did what white folks told them to do back then. Even then, and at the end of that campaign, they found out 80% of black people had voted for the Democrat Party. Now, people say that... Uh, 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 all of these Democrats switched Republican. You know, Fritz Holland stayed a Democrat. George Wallace stayed a Democrat. Orville Favors, Lester Maddox, Ross Barnett, all those Southern governors and all those Southern senators, only one switch, and that was Strom Thurmond. Only one. The rest of them stayed Democrats forever, and black people voted for them. So when I started asking the question, why did this happen? It goes back to Stockholm Syndrome. It goes back to cognitive dissonance. It makes perfect sense. You've been oppressed. You've been beaten down for 400 years, of course you're going to take on the characteristics of your master. Plus, if they had just been paying attention to the civil rights movement, we were fighting, bleeding, dying, getting shot by water hoses and bitten by dogs to eat a hamburger beside them, to go to the bathroom beside them, to drink from a water fountain beside them, to go to school beside them. Of course, when it came to vote, we were going to vote with them. Makes perfect sense. Why are blacks so skeptical about the Republican Party? Armstrong, back in 1992, a good friend of yours, Lee Atwater, was over the RNC. George Bush had just become president. 
He's looking at the map. And we and the, 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 the Republican Party hadn't had power in the, in, in the, in the House of Representatives in 40 years. And Lee said, hmm, we got to get, we got to start working with redistricting. And they said, we ain't got the numbers to, to change the, uh, the state house votes on that. Lee said, let's see if we can get the Black Caucus to vote on our redistricting plan and we'll make a deal with them. If they vote on our plan, we'll give them these majority black districts and we won't run anybody in these districts. We won't help anybody run against them in perpetuity. They brought that to the black caucuses and said, we're going to double your number in your state houses. We're going to give you majority black congressional districts that will double your number in the Congress. What do you say? They said you got a deal. So the Republican Party pulled out the black community. Black Democrats came in, and for 30 years, they've heard nothing but lies because we don't fund the candidates that run down there. Whether they be black, white is irrelevant. If you go down in South Carolina and run in Jim Jim Clyburn's district, you will not get any funding from the RNC, no matter how good you are. They dry up the funding, and so now for 30-something years, you've had a people down there that have heard nothing but lies. It's like Lincoln said in his Cooper Union address. He said the only, he said that your slaves would barely know that a Republican Party existed, except for the lies that you tell about us in their presence. But it's vice versa. It's what both parties, it's what they do. Both of them do. Yeah. Both what of them do. do. You know, I, I want to come back, because um, I, I think your voice is so important. That's why I'm honored to um, be a part of this interview on Afterwards. You know, race, you can find racism in everything yeah. in America today. What, what do you say... When you look at Trayvon Martin, you look at George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, you know, everything is about race for the mainstream media when it involves a white officer and someone who's black. And it really doesn't tell the whole story. How do you get black Americans and, 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 and whites to another extent to see that it's not always about race? And what is the media's and you talk about this in your book, mm-hmm. obsession. Mm-hmm. Is it that it sells? Is it that they're part of the divide? What is it? Or is it they've been controlled by some larger interests that we're unaware of? You know, they, they have an agenda, and they know that in order to keep their power, we have to vote. Black people have to vote 90% Democrat Party. They know it. They know they cannot lose the black vote. They will burn this country down before they do it. You and I know the, the, the truth about Trayvon Martin and about George Floyd. They tried to put hate crime on uh, Derek Chauvin. He's supposed to be in jail for the rest of his life for his actions, for what he did. It was wrong, but they couldn't prove it was racial. But it didn't matter. They set this country on fire. But whether it was racial or not, it was irrelevant. It was irrelevant. It was his behavior. I agree. It was immoral. It was wrong. It was he should be in jail. You're yes. exactly right. And that's how I saw it. And they made it racial and told black people, this is America. Da 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 da. And I'm saying, Lord have mercy, they're going to turn us back. They're going to turn us back. And they did. And there are young black people out there. Talk to a young black person, 23, 24, 25 years old. They think that we're the same country we were back in the 1950s. The Democrats can never make us believe that we are in a post-racial America where merit can move you to the top. See, you're proof of that. Merit, hard work, grinding. When uh, Joe Biden comes out and he says, I got this new Supreme Court justice that I need to nominate, he could have said easily, I'm going to find the best justice in America. And he could have walked out with Ms. Katanji Brown-Jackson and said, this is the best jurist I could find in America. And we'd all applaud it. Yeah, that's beautiful. We've, a black woman is trying to transcend it. He can do that. I'm going to give this to a black woman. 
This is old slave master talk. To let the field Negroes understand, you can't earn it. Everything you get comes from me. Their affirmative action program is so silly because they're allowing the very people that they say are racist, they are allowing them to determine what black people are elevated. But yet Judge Jackson's credentials are just as stellar Beautiful. as anyone who's been nominated to the court. And he wanted people to believe but he gave this why would the Democratic Party marginalize her? Simply because she's black? Because they want to make black people understand you cannot earn it. Wow. Everything you get comes from me. You know, black people can work in the, in the cotton field and in the fields for a whole season. At the end, the master is going to give them what he wants them to have. But how is the Republican Party any better? Mm. The only thing that makes the Republican Party any better is the fact that they do not have in their platform the murder of children, uh, the destruction of the family, uh, the fact that they are against religious liberties. You know, we got to understand something there, that there is a divide and it's fighting now in America about LGBTQ and the church and the state and all this kind of stuff. And you you have people like you and I believe in religious liberty. You don't have to like you don't have to agree with me. But why can't the Republican Party with all these 25 lies that you discuss so well research in your book? Why don't they capitalize on it? You would think what it once were where the blacks were. A huge part of the Republican Party, almost 80 to 90 percent. Why is there no opportunity or no gain for the GOP? Same reason. That gerrymandering thing I just told you about. They have made the deal to stay out and they keep their word. They stay right now. They're drawing these districts again, as you know, and they've drawn some. And they and right now they're saying that the GOP is going to take the house again. And as long as they keep that deal, as long as the black caucuses keep their part of the deal, the GOP is going to keep their part of the deal. But doesn't all this transcend politics? It is does it for the me. good of the country? Is it for the good of the healing of a nation? No, it's not. Politics won't fix this. This is something that's going to have to come out of the breast of the Christian community, the Muslim community, the Jewish community, and also the American spirit. There's time for an intervention. The same way we are all upset now because Russia is invading uh, the country of Ukraine. Why? Because it is immoral. It is wrong. They're killing innocent people. So we said, we're not going to buy. We're going to put sanctions on them. Da, 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 da. The same thing needs to happen here. We should not support any politician that is going down to those ghettos and saying, we're not support, we won't support school choice. Or that we'll disarm people in a war zone. Or they'll restrict your religious liberties. Or that we'll allow people to come over the border and bring fentanyl and, and sex trafficking into those uh, areas. We're not going to allow this anymore. We as Americans and Christians can say, I'm not going to allow you to hurt my brother or my sister any longer. I'm doing fine, but I'm not going to allow you to hurt my fellow Americans any longer. So we need to let people understand, like I said in the first chapter, you will be held accountable. If you know that you're electing politicians that are killing people, that are killing children, that are trapping children in failing schools, that are restricting religious liberties, that are allowing sex trafficking and drug trafficking to come over that border, that are actually harming individuals on purpose, you will be held accountable. So I'm saying to America, it's time for an intervention. This book is saying the politicians are going to change it. We can't be like liberals expecting politics to change our situation. Me, we go back to our Bibles and we go, go back to our personalities. You, you mentioned Ukraine, and I found it fascinating when Zelensky asked people from around the world to come and he would arm them. Mm. You talk about the Second Amendment. Yes. Why? You know, the biggest demographic um, getting um, concealed and mm. carry are African-Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. Why is the Second Amendment so important? You know, Frederick Douglass said that a man without 
the ability to fight back without power. It's not a man. He said that, uh, um, uh, uh, that, that, that human nature is constructed where they cannot respect a weak man. He said that they can pity him. And only, for, and only that for a time, unless the natural force of power is shown within him. You cannot be free unless you can defend yourself. We see what happened with, with the George Floyd riots. Democrat mayors told the police to stand down while people came to and kicked people's doors in and just robbed them. Told the police to stand down. We see what's going on in Ukraine now. Another country invaded. And their government doesn't have the ability to defend them. It is a natural state of power. And this is something that makes me angry, Armstrong. I talk about the biggest problem in America right now in the black community. It's not white racism. It's black male cowardice. It's us, black men, not defending our families, not defending our neighborhoods. Matter of fact, not just not defending, we have the provocateurs of violence. Shooting, killing, carjacking, smashing grab, selling dope, won't work, won't take care of our children, just acting a fool. It takes bravery and strength for a man to get up and go to work every day, bring his money home, take care of his wife, take care of his children, take him to church on the weekend, take care of his family. That's bravery. See, and what we have now is a bunch of cowardice going on that is also that is actually being, people are explaining it away. Yeah, but Racism, you, this but, and that. But you other. also talk about uh, feminizing men. Yes. Emasculation yes. of men. Yes. Making men forget about what their roles are. Exactly. And that is important. It is. It's, look, like you, I grew up in the South. Strong father. My dad had a gun on the seat of his car and setting up in the corner. I had a shotgun set up in the corner of the bedroom. Yes, sir. It's true. Nobody bothered me when I was growing up. It's true. Nobody. My dad was a strong And he had man. a gun in his glove compartment. <laughs> Just in case, right? <laughs> Just, in, Just case. in case. Yes. These were men that understood. Right. And men. nobody bothered them because they understood they were just men like that. See, now they want to feminize men and make them believe that being a man is something that anything you want to call it. There's no definition to it anymore. Whatever you want to call it, that's what it is. Well, you and I grew up understanding there was a definition to it. When you and I grew up, if someone said we needed to take paternity leave, We'd laugh at it. <laughs> no, man, I got to work. <laughs> I got to take be, care of that baby, it be man. Laughable, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. No. You know, it, 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 it was a thing that we grew up with. You know, you had to fight in the neighborhood. Your daddy tell you to come in not and go. Not with guns oh, and bullets. Oh, not with guns. You go out there. You have to learn how to do it. Yeah. Yes. And then the guy you fought with, you became your best friend yeah. afterward, right? Yeah. You know, we grew up during a time where you had to be tested. You played sports. You fought with your brothers. Your daddy tell you, go outside and finish it. All right, it's over with. Come on back inside. Y'all fine. Now they want men, if they teach them, we want you to cry. And not everything was about mental illness. No, no, no. You fight through that. Yes. Strong. While it exists, While men fought through it. You fought through it. It was about discipline. You were looked upon as a man when you could control yourself. When you could control yourself. And you understood that you weren't supposed to talk about everything in public. And also, you and I had mothers and grandmothers that had 10 and 12 kids, and once they gave birth to that kid, they were back in the field the next day. You better day. believe it. You worked, and your mother was harder on you than your daddy was. Yeah. My mama told me that no woman wants no crying man. Straighten your face up. Straighten up. It was about control. Christianity is about conformity. Life, as far as my family was concerned, was about conformity. Control yourself. I'm tired. Get the job done. I'm scared. Fight through it. Face your fear. I'm angry. You better not hit your sister. <laughs> it didn't matter. You control yourself. That was the way you were supposed to be. 
And see, and that was also, it was reinforced in school. And you would never swear. Oh, no. Around your parents. Oh, no. You would not ever, ever wear a hat at the dinner no, table. No. And your ha- pants would be hanging down no. around oh, your no, butt. No, no, would no, never no. happen. There was a decorum. There's a decorum. That you had to respect your father and your mother. No matter how old you got. When you came through my daddy's door, you turned into 12 years old again. And you had to act like you were 12. He'll put me out there and tell me, well, if I go home tomorrow, tell me I'm the yard. Yes, sir. <laughs> Just keep the God going, man. It's the respect. It's the honor. It's knowing what right looks like. And right now, nobody knows what it is. You know, there's, there's so much um, that we're covering that's in your book. But you also talk about that you can see that there's progress. Yes. Because what you don't, what I don't know if people get that I really want to get this across in his new book, 25 Lives. What you're advocating is no different than what has been advocated to us through our faith, mm. through the Ten Commandments. Yes. That there's a higher being. Yes. There's no such thing to you as black conservatism. Mm-mm. There's a certain thing to you as a right way to live right. and a wrong wrong way to live. Right. And if you live this way, if you have these certain virtues and values right. and ethics, yes. you you end up pretty good in life. Yes. And you don't put a collar to it. No, man, look. What scares me is that they're now trying to take this. They've taken the black community and almost destroyed it with it. Now they want to spread this into the white community. You know, that's where the CRT is, trying to make white people hate themselves like they've taught most black people hate themselves. You're a racist. You're an oppressor. You're no good. They're going to start looking in the mirror and saying, I'm no good, and they're going to start shooting people that look like them like we do. You remember when the hip-hop stuff started coming through uh, uh, Armstrong? You know what? I didn't hear music going to B's and W's, N-word. We didn't hear that stuff. So when it came out and we heard it, it kind of, you know, we said, well, that's terrible. And it kind of rolled off our backs. But then the children started hearing it. We have children 35 years old. They never heard nothing but that mess. And so now they look at each other, and they hate one another because the girl's a B. He's an N-word. She's a W-word. And you're like, okay, why are these children so hateful? Why are they so full of anger? And everything's about sex. Yeah, everything. Sex, envy, murder. Materialism. uh, Materialism, all of it. That's them. That's the party. If you don't have what you're supposed to have, it's called somebody. Somebody victimized you, and you have a right to go take it from them. You know? Our Ten Commandments is a beautiful document. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. All your mother and your father. Because if your lie. father saw you looting Louis Vuitton oh my God. or some other store. It wouldn't need no, I mean, he'd be so embarrassed. You don't oh, need law, it wouldn't need law enforcement. Lord, he'd be so hurt. Jesus, Lord, have mercy. He'd be, he'd, he'd be, you know, when I heard that, when I heard that Joe Biden, uh, his son, Bo's wife, and his son, Hunter, had gotten together, and he said he was glad they found each other. I, I got, I have four brothers. So, I mean, my daddy would have called a ride to my house. No father would have said that. <laughs> That was political. But something you talked about in your book, because I want to take full advantage of this hour we have with you, is something you talked on about CRT making white people feel guilty Mm. and questioning themselves. And you talk about Black Lives Matter. Mm. They didn't necessarily give them money because they believed in the cause. Right. It was guilt. Right. And they didn't care how they spent the money. Oh no. They just wanted to feel good about themselves. Yeah, man. That's all it is. Is 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 virtue signaling. You know, Um, George Floyd. What happened? Everybody's feeling bad about it. And somewhere in this white liberal mind, they really think that they're responsible for me and you, Andrew. Like with their children. You know, like you have a very rich parent that kind of uh, grew up and the child ended up bad. And they're saying, oh, it's our fault. We didn't raise them right. And a lot of these rich liberals have such a messiah complex that they actually believe that they have control over our lives. And because we didn't turn out well, they can change it. I had this white liberal tell me, yeah, you know, the black man would do well if the white man would just get his foot off his neck. 
And I looked at him and said, look at me and you. You think you can hold me down? And his face just turned ashen white. He never heard a black man tell him that today. So you don't have the but you didn't tell him this down. as a black man. You told him this as a human yeah, being. As a human being. Who has earned your you way. Do you think that you can hold me down? Yeah. You have the arrogance. And you have a lot of these liberals actually say that. That we have to do more to help. We have to do more. Everything is a government program to help, to help, to help. They say, will you please stop helping me? You know, the cool hand loop. Will you please stop helping me, boss? But, uh, they're, but they're, also there are a lot of them that understand that what they're doing is control. It's absolute control. It's like slave. Uh, you don't think they mean well, but it's just misguided. Oh, I think there's some that do. I think that some are really just that misguided, and I think that some are just evil. You know, in your in your book, you talk about abortion mm. and choice, and how the disproportionate number of young black women mm. abort their kids, and yet the regret, the depression, mm-hmm. sometimes the suicide yeah. that follows. Yeah. It's, it's a shame because what they've done, you know, my, my wife's an attorney. And, we, and when I thought about this, I talked about the concept of cause, the whole legal concept of cause. Jesus said if anyone that causes one of these young ones to sin, it's better than a millstone be tied around their neck and they be thrown into the sea. So how did my great-grandmother have 16 children, my 14 children? My grandmother had 16 children. My mother had seven. And now this generation started to abort. It was Justice Brandeis that said, for good or for ill, people follow the example of government. So Roe v. Wade comes through and says, it's okay. People say, oh, it's okay. Now, what happens? We're supposed to close that gap with the church, with the civic organizers, and with the politicians and say, no, it's not okay. But instead, we didn't. Instead, the black churches started saying, it's okay. Then the black politicians started saying, it's okay. And then the black civic organizers started saying, it's okay. And then they go to school and talk to the school teachers. They say, it's okay. And these young ladies started getting the okay from people in society are supposed to tell them the truth. He who causes, and they were causing these young people to sin. They were, you, you and I old enough to remember when they started putting the condoms and the birth control in school. And we were telling them, no, we think this is going to cause children to have more sex. Oh, no, no, you guys are so funny. Dutch. We've seen what's happening behind it, right? But they, they, knew what, they knew what would happen. Also. They knew. That was they their knew. goal. Yeah, that was their goal. Yeah. So now what do they do? They put these abortion factories in the black community and they sell the body parts. They make money from it. It's not the $500 they get per abortion. It's not the $500 million they get from Planned Parenthood. It's the $60,000 they get per body part. And they are using us again to make money. The black community to these people is just a money laundering project. Public education doesn't work. They just send as much money as you can so we can pay the teachers and the teachers' unions, and then the money goes back to the Democrats. Continuing Margaret Sanger's legacy. Yeah, it is. You You, you talk in your book, and I know you touched on school choice, um, for young people listening, watching uh, our conversation today and learning about your book, mm. 25 Lies, why is education the foundation of it all? Wow, Armstrong, could you imagine going through this world not knowing how to read? Good God Almighty, wouldn't that just be tragic? Wasted talent is the most terrible thing that could ever happen in this world. The child that could probably cure cancer or make a beautiful symphony or, 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 or be a great mechanic, they are not teaching these children to read. And when you can't teach a child to read, when you don't teach them to read or have moral instruction, you destroy their lives. And in the ghetto, there's just so much wasted potential. And it's wasted because it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. All they have to do is go tell a mother that has two or three sons. There's a school down the street here in Baltimore that will educate your children. They will make men of them. 
These men, black men, white men, Asian men, will teach your son how to stand up straight. He'll teach him how to treat his mother with respect. You're teaching him about his God. He'll teach him reading, writing, arithmetic, his history. When he grows up, he'll start taking care of you. He won't be a ward of the state. He won't go to jail. We will guarantee it. It's just that easy. We, you and I both know of private black schools that do that. And they're very successful. They know of them. And they refuse to let it happen. That's why I say they're evil. What about um, the, the playground and the classrooms where kids spit on teachers, mm. assault teachers, mm. disrespect them, mm-hmm. use abusive language towards them, and now you can't suspend these, sc- spend these kids right. from school. See, that's why the private school system is so much more important, too. It takes the government out of that. And it'll allow the parent to teach, to, 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 bring, to take their children to men or the teachers that they trust. But here's, you touch on this. You can only allow this to happen if not only do you want to destroy public schools, but you want to destroy the learning process. There it is. And that's what they is want. Is that intentional? It, it, it has to be. It's too ridiculous. You cannot uh, 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 teach anybody anything without discipline and security. I mean, when, 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 when the Green Berets jump into the middle of the, the jungle, they put, up a, a, they put up a secure perimeter. You have to have security. You have to have discipline. They know that. But they have this crazy idea of the world where they don't want these children disciplined because if they are disciplined, they can't control them. And these people, you know, these people from Harvard, Yale, Oxford, they're not stupid people. They know exactly what they're doing. The outcome. They, oh, they, they know. The Monaghan Report told them what was going to happen. They're looking at the statistics right now that says we had had, we've had the lowest birth rate in the history of our nation last year. And the trend had been going down for seven straight years. America's dying. They know it, and they're full speed ahead with abortion. They're full speed. I read this. I read this story, and they were celebrating it. Uh, they were saying that our generation, LGBTQ, might be maybe one or two percent. And the in this generation between the ages of seventeen and maybe thirty, it's about maybe seventeen percent. And they're celebrating it, and I'm saying now this is why we're dying because you've taken seventeen percent of the population, and you've taken it out of child 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 rearing. How do you take 17% of your population out of, of, of birthing children and think you're going to survive as a nation? And then you're, you're, you are, are, are teaching children at an early age, not people that are legitimately LGBTQ. You're teaching them to, in, to, 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 to get involved in a lifestyle that might not be conducive to them. And not who they are. And not who they are. But people explore, experiment. That exactly. doesn't mean that's what the final outcome will be. And, and now they're little and now they encourage it. And they're encouraging it? Yes. They are trying to get little children to have a sex change operations before they're 18, 19 years old. This is insanity. Bathrooms. Bath- a grown man going into public bathrooms with little girls. So now when I go out with my daughter, I got to stand outside the bathroom door to make sure no man goes in with her. Because if so, I'm going to break the law. You know, it's important with the time we have left now. What you're talking about now transcends blackness and everything else. Because yes. your book is not saying, and, I, and people need to understand this, that many blacks in this country symbolizes what is wrong with America. No, that's not what he's saying. You're talking about behavior. Yes. You're talking about a moral code. Yes. You're talking about what happens when a nation is not educated. Yes. We're talking about, you're talking about what happens when the government stands down and allow crime to be pervasive. Yes, yes. You talk about what what happens when the government does not have standards and no responsibility in place. You talk about when the government gets involved in this political correctness which is detrimental to the fabric and, and the exponential growth of this country. Yes, and the Democratic Party has made the black community 
their, 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 their Petri dish for it. They said, we're going to do it down here and see if we can control these people with all of this stuff. And they have. They said, now let's expand it. Let's, 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 let's do it like the Soviet Union did with the common turn, right? Let's see if we can put it all over the world. And, 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 and so now they've started to expand this into all of America. And White they will destroy this. White America, LGBTQ, all of it, all yeah. of it. Young people, young people, the OPRs, exactly. the fentanyl, legalizing all marijuana. All of it. Uh, you mean uh, the marijuana, drugs, prostitution, you name it. Everything that's bad, they're trying to legalize here. And we're trying to tell people, stop. Stop. We are all Americans. We are protected. We protect ourselves, number one, but the Constitution is designed to tell us how the law is supposed to help us protect ourselves. We are Americans, LGBTQ, black, white, Asian. There's a way to live. We don't have to all agree. But I have told my children, I, my, my wife and I, I've never seen my wife, my children be, be rude or crude to anybody. If I saw an LGBTQ person being mistreated by somebody, I'm stepping to their aid. Leave that person alone. You have no right to be mean to that person, be disrespectful to that person. There's no virtue, Armstrong, in us being what they say, you know, Christianity, nonviolence is a Christian virtue. It is not. Non-aggression is a Christian virtue. So I, I, what you're saying is what, this is what happens when government tries to replace God. Yes. And just remove him from everything. And even when you speak about God and you mention Jesus, people think you're weak and they laugh at you. Oh, man, they want to, you know, and on, on that side, they pull them out of everything. You can't say it in school. You can't have it in the public square. Uh, they don't even want the Ten Commandments up anywhere. But they will allow you to put anything else up. No prayer in schools? Oh, no, no, no prayer in school. But, they, but they'll bring in the drag queens and whatnot to read to the children. Um, they'll, they'll bring in all, you can't have the Bible in the library, but they'll bring in all kind of other nasty books for the children to read. These people. And you can't fail kids anymore. No. You've got to make them all feel good. Exactly. Until they get out and face reality. See, we no longer have a policy disagreement with these people. It's no longer about taxes. This ain't about, you know, uh, 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 curriculum. This is about a party that has systematically tried to destroy this nation three straight times in a row, from, the, from slavery to confederacy to Jim Crow. And now they're doing it again with socialism, and they're doing it again with atheism. And it's very subtle. It's very seductive. You know, if you depend on me, I'll give you everything you need. They're taking God's place. Not prosecuting crime. Oh, no, not, not prosecuting crime. You know, uh, oh, no bail. Uh, yes. defunding the police and don't believe that they're not going to defund the police if they ever get in power again, okay? Because this is how they, 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 they have to make you insecure. But then they want anarchy. Uh, yes. That, and if they get anarchy, they have control. See, when people are afraid, when people have no security, when people are trying to survive, that's when they turn to government. But Vince, in reading your book, you also know their best laid plans is that they forget the little things. Mm. It can't work. In the long run, can America can't survive this. It cannot. And Armstrong, I'm thinking, you know, you and you and I, are Christian man, we believe in Satan. We believe he roams his earth. I believe that's his intent to try to take this nation out. It's always been his intent. America's been that good thing. The whole world, envy, all over. Yes, the whole world looks at America and says, "Wow, wow, America's a dream, shining city on the hill." We only make up three percent of the world's population, and everybody wants to come here. Because of the system that we've created here, he has to destroy it. He has to make it effeminate. He has to make it poor. He has to, and as Abraham Lincoln said, we'll only be destroyed through suicide. You talk about this in your book, and this is the question, who are they? I'll put it right down to the Democrat Party, the upper echelon of the Democrat Party. Not the rank and file people that vote for the Democrat. Not a whole lot of the people that are elected by the Democrat Party. Because you know why? A lot of these people are in districts. 
where the Democrat Party has so much control that in order for them to win, they have to run as a Democrat so before they can do some good. And they have told me and they told you, man, I support a lot of what you're talking about, but I can't run as a Republican or a conservative in my district. Help me change it. I've had so many of them say, Vince, help me change. If you can get my people to support school choice, I'll vote for it. But right now, half my money comes from the teachers' unions. If I go out for school choice, I'm done. They're just going to bring somebody else in. At least I'm doing a little bit of good right now. So who controls the Democratic Party? Planned Parenthood. The atheists from George Soros on down. The, 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 the people that want the open borders. The people that love the drug trade. The people that love the sex trafficking. The porno people in Hollywood. They send all of that money down to the Democratic Party and say, get power, use the law to keep these people under control so they'll vote for you and give us what we want. And they fund the politicians they want in office to carry yes, out their agenda. Exactly. You have people, I mean, you know, you know how it works, Armstrong. You've been a Washington man for a long time, how China's sending money in through these lobbyists, and then the lobbyists give money to the politicians. It's all just they incestuous around here. Yeah, and they're doing a good job doing They can't beat it. us militarily but they can destroy our values and they can bring about fear and yes. discord. Like you talked about with the COVID-19 and the mask. <laughs> yeah. You talk about it in the pandemic, yeah. how they exploited that. Yes, they exploited it, had us afraid to do anything. Now we are in this inflation, we're in this economic turmoil because of it. See, we live very protected lives here and we don't know how sinister these people are. They know they can't come here with guns and defeat us. So outside of America, they are sending in everything they can to defeat us from Propaganda. the inside. Propaganda, all of it. We've done it. America's done it to countries before. The Cold War was about that, okay? Now they're doing it to us. And we don't even see it coming, but they know that the, 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 the foundation to it all, to the Democratic Party keeping power, is keeping black people under their heel. And you lay all the blame... Under the Democratic Party, not no responsibility for Republicans or the GOP, just the Democratic Party? When I look at the Democratic Party, I always look at what they've done to the black community. I look at the evil that they've done to our people. Uh, I look at it from slavery up until now. I, Armstrong, I estimate they've killed close to 60 million black people since they've been a party, through slavery, through abortion, uh, the Mill Passage. And all of it's come from Jim Crow. I mean, Jim Crow was horrible. Even though we had the laws on the book, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, right to vote, equal protection under the law, ending of slavery. They castrated, killed, murdered. The first NAACP field officer to get killed in, in, in the field was a guy by the name of Elbert Williams. He worked in Haywood County, Tennessee, and it was in the 1940s. Ku Klux Klan killed him because he was trying to get black people to vote. That was them. They were a, been a murderous, thieving, perverted lot since their inception in 1800. And they haven't changed. It's like the mafia, right? If you set up if you set up the mafia in, in, inside of a city, who's coming to it? The, 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 the pimps, the drug dealers, the murderers, the thieves, because that's what they do. When you set up a Democrat party in a state and they say, oh, we're going to support abortion. We're going to keep children in terrible schools. We're going to try to destroy religion. Who comes to it? You, Not the very good people. Do you think this is why the media demonizes black conservatism, demonizes conservatism, could do you think they are the enabler and protect them so they can continue their bidding on the further destruction of the, and the erosion of American values? Oh, yeah, man. The media, you know, you've seen Hollywood. I don't have to tell you about it. You also know from history that the Soviet Union and its minions have always, communists have always been here in America trying to break America down. I remember in my book I wrote about what, 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 what Taylor Branch wrote in his book, 
uh, American and King years. He said in 1954 that the Comintern in the Soviet Union sent their spies here to infiltrate the civil rights movement and gave them instruction to make the black community a direct replica of the Soviet bloc. And they've done it. One party rule, dictator worship, apostate religion, broken family, poverty, drug abuse, alcoholism, you name it. And it's working. And people try to say, well, capitalism has destroyed the black community. Well, capitalism has. Socialism, Socialism has. has. There you go. See, you get it. Socialism yeah. has destroyed it's it. It's true. It's not capitalism. You know, in, in the five minutes we have left, and I, and I thank you so much for writing this book, 25 Lies Exposing Democrats' Most Dangerous, Seductive, Damnable, Destructive Lies, and How to Refute Them. Give us hope. What can people do to turn this around, or can they? Thank you for that, Armstrong, because that is hope. The hope is that there's still a strong Christian community out there. It's the thing that's upheld this country ever since its beginning. The abolitionist movement, it's a Christian movement. And we've always had this fight in this country between real Christianity and fake Christianity. Down south, we had kind of an apostate Christianity that supported slavery, racism, hatred. But then there was a Christianity up north, the abolitionist Christianity said, no, brotherhood, love, forgiveness, forbearance, freedom. That Christianity still exists. And now we have to activate it and say, look, we're doing a good job going into Africa, going into South America, going into China, going into Korea. But what did Jesus say? I want you to take this gospel and I want you to spread it, starting here in Jerusalem and Samaria, then to the outermost parts of the world. We as Christians have to start redoubling our efforts to go get our own here. We have to go back into the communities that are suffering. We have to challenge the church to start doing its job again and bring about the Great Commission because the black church in many ways has become an apostate church. Not all of them. You got some good preachers still down there, but too many of them have just made politics part of the church. Souls to the polls, street money. You know how it works. You've seen it. And they've taken the black community and they've made them believe that Christianity and Democratic Party, socialism are synonymous. They are not. How do we get American blacks it's like the immigrant song. When they come here, they find prosperity, mm. opportunity. How do we get American blacks to finally take their shoes off in America and say, I'm at home, and I'm going to treat this and protect it as if it's my home? School choice is the best route to get that done. We start with uh, wiring up these young black people again to believe in their God, believe in their Christianity. Put the foundation up under them. Make them understand you're no longer an African-American. You're an American. You're an American. You have 20, 25 generations in this country. I mean, the Constitution of the United States of America said you had to end the, you had to end the slave trade in 1808, right? That means your people have been here at least since 1808. This is your country. Your people built it. You don't ask permission in your own house. You know your way around. Protect yourself. That's part of being an American, a free man. You have to walk and exercise your freedom. Your freedom is an unalienable right given to you by God, not government. It is irrevocable, non-transferable, unsellable, according to John Locke. Exercise your freedom. Stand up as a free man in your house. Believe in your God. Get married. Have a family. Work hard. You've seen that uh, study from uh, uh, Pew that says if you do these three things, you'll never be poor in America. It's, it says um, uh, 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 at first you graduate high school, don't have a child until you're married, and work full time. You'll never be hungry. In the final two minutes, explain to people 
what a black conservative is. That is so much more to, to sort of denounce the myths and what people have tried to make others believe mm. that it is. You tell us. Number one, a black conservative has to believe, has to believe in Jesus Christ and his God, because that's what makes you fearless. That's, that's the thing that makes you say, I fear no man. It makes you stand up and look him in the eye and say, I get everything I get from my God. And anyone that's going to come and try to separate me from that is going to have a problem with me. Anyone that's going to come and try to teach my children and pull them away from their God is going to have a problem with me. A black conservative is a person that believes in Jesus Christ, his God. He believes in freedom. Not that government gives him his freedom. He believes that his freedom comes from God. He doesn't ask permission. He exercises his freedom. Just like your car, you own it, right? It's mine. I'm not going to ask permission. And then he's this guy that arms himself with knowledge for the wise man and a gun for the fool and walks this earth as God gives him purpose to walk. My brother, and I say as my brother in Christ. There you go. I don't see color. There you go. I no, see man. behavior. No. 25 lies. There you go. Exposing Democrats' most dangerous, seductive, damnable, destructive lies and how to refute them. Vince Everett Ellison. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So much for joining us. Man, enjoy it. On Afterwards. Go out and get the book. Thanks for listening to this week's Afterwards podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to C-SPAN's podcast about books. Learn about the latest nonfiction books and best-selling authors. In each episode, we report on bestsellers lists and book reviews from around the country. You'll also hear authors talking about their latest books and insider interviews with nonfiction book publishing industry experts.